we have a crisis in the world, tremendous crisis, and also crisis in our consciousness, in us. I see the urgency of change, radical revolution, mutation in the mind. I see it. It is necessary. There is complete quietness of the mind, and that which is silent has vast space. Only then that which is nameless comes into being. This is Urgency of Change, the Krishnamurti podcast. Is it possible to live without comparison of any kind, never translating yourself in terms of comparison with another or with an idea? Hello and welcome to episode 104 of Urgency of Change. Season 3 of the Krishnamurti podcast continues with the format of carefully chosen extracts from the archives of the Philosopher's Talks. Each weekly episode focuses on a theme explored by Krishnamurti and the aim is to represent his different approaches to these universal topics. This week's theme is comparison. Upcoming themes are greed, suppression and hate. This is a podcast from Krishnamurti Foundation Trust based at Brockwood Park. Brockwood is also home to the Krishnamurti Retreat Centre. Situated in the beautiful countryside of England's South Downs National Park, the Krishnamurti Centre offers quiet retreats for those wishing to inquire into themselves in the light of Krishnamurti's teachings. Please visit krishnamurticentre.org.uk for more information. You can also find our daily quotes and videos on Instagram and Facebook at Krishnamurti Foundation Trust. If you enjoy this podcast, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts, which helps its visibility. This week's episode on comparison has six sections. The first extract is from Krishnamurti's sixth talk in Sanan 1970, titled, We are conditioned to compare. And... One of our conditioning is comparison. Comparing. Not only with what you think is noble or a hero or a memory, comparing secretly within yourself with what you would like to be and what you are. The comparative, assertive pursuit. is also a condition. And again this is extraordinarily subtle. I compare myself to somebody who is a little more bright, little more intelligent, little more physically beautiful, regular features and all the rest of it. 
secretly or openly. This constant comparative inquiry, soliloquy, talking to oneself, Because where there is comparison, please observe this in yourself, where there is comparison, there is not only assertion, a form of aggression, but also the feeling of achievement. And therefore in that there is a frustration. When you can't achieve, there is a sense of frustration. And a feeling of inferiority. I hope you are doing this as we go along. There is not only the aggressive conditioning, but also from childhood, all our education, all our educational system is based on this, compare, getting more marks, examinations, comparing yourself with somebody who is much cleverer. The battle goes on. And in that, Comparison, there is envy, jealousy, and all the conflict involved in that. Comparison implies measurement. I am measuring myself with what I think I am, with something what I think is better or bigger or nobler. Right? Please, let us work this thing together. Not you listen and I talk. Let us, both of us, move together, flow together in the comprehension of this. Because you will see our conditioning is so extraordinarily deep and so very subtle. And one asks, can the mind be ever free of this conditioning? Then there is the conditioning of society, the culture, the competitive, the always measuring. As long as the mind has a measure, it must compare. Whether the measurement, the rule, the tape by which you measure is self-created or given to you by the society, the culture that are around you. Do please go into this with me, you will see. 
how extraordinarily fascinating, interesting this is. The second extract is from the fourth talk in Bombay, 1983, titled We Are Always Comparing. Why is there in our mind and heart this constant measurement? Measurement means comparison. To compare myself with you who are beautiful, clear, certain, the whole feeling of your being is totally different from me, and I compare myself with you, wanting to be like you, wanting to be like your Guru, like your highest whatever example is. Why do we compare at all in life? And we say we compare in order to make progress. In the technological world you have to compare. There must be measurement. Measurement was invented by the Greeks, ancient Greeks, to measure. And with us we are always comparing. You are beautiful, I am not. I want to be as beautiful, as powerful as you are. Right? We want to be enlightened as you are. So there is always this competition of comparison between us. We are never free of that movement. But we are, if we are free, then what are we? You understand my question? If you don't compare, <coughs> as you must compare between two materials, two cloths or two cars, there you must naturally compare. But in human relationship, why do we compare? And is it possible to be free of comparison, the ending of comparison? If you do, then you throw away a great burden that has no reality, because then you are what you are. From there you can begin. But if you are always comparing, becoming somebody else, then you are fundamentally unhappy, anxious, frightened and all the rest of it. So please ask the question for you, of yourself whether you can live without comparison, without any form of measurement, which is quite difficult, because we are trained, educated, convinced that 
we, we are this, but we'll become that. The becoming that is a form of measurement. Right? To live without a single movement of measurement, that is part of meditation. The third extract is from the fourth talk in Bombay, 1967, titled Can You Live Without Comparison? We're always comparing ourselves with somebody else. If I'm dull, I want to be more clever. If I'm shallow, I want to be deep. If I'm ignorant, I want to be more clever, more knowledgeable. I'm always comparing myself, measuring myself against others. Better car, better food, better clothing, a better way of thinking. So, Comparison breeds conflict. And do you understand through comparison? When you compare two pictures, two pieces of music, two sunsets, when you compare that tree to that tree, do you understand either? Or you understand something only when there is no comparison at all. So is it possible to live without comparison of any kind? Never translating, your, uh, translating yourself in terms of comparison with another, or with an idea, or with some hero, with some example, with some idea. Because when you are comparing, when you are measuring yourself with what should be, or what has been, you are not seeing what is. Please listen to this, it's very simple, and therefore probably be your being very clever, cunning, you'll miss it. We are asking whether it's possible to live in this world without any comparison at all. Don't say no. You've never done it. Don't say, I can't do it, it's impossible, because all my conditioning is to compare, not only in this, in school, to compare my, this one boy compares with him another, and the teacher says, you're not as clever as the other, and so, he destroys B when he's comparing B to A. 
is actually destroying him. And so that process goes on through life. And we think this comparison is essential for progress, for understanding, for intellectual development. I wonder if it is. I don't think it is. Because when you are comparing one picture with the other, you are neither look you are not looking at either. You can only look at one picture when there is no comparison. So in the same way, is it possible to live a life never comparing psychologically yourself with another? Never! With Rama, Sita, Gita, whoever it is. With the heroes, with your gods, with your ideals. A mind that is can, a mind that is not comparing at all, at any level, becomes extraordinarily efficient. Extraordinarily alive. Because then it is looking at what is. Look, sir, I am shallow. I compare myself with another who is supposed to be very deep and very capable and, you know, all deep, profound in his thinking, in his way of living. And I, being shallow, narrow, limited, compare myself to that person. And I struggle to be like him. Imitate, copy, quote, follow. Try to destroy myself in order to be him. And the conflict begins, endless conflict. Whereas, if there was no comparison at all, how do I know I am dull? Because you tell me, because I can't get a job, because I am no good at school. How do I know I am dull? if there is no comparison at all. Therefore, I am what I am. I am that state from which I can move, I can discover, I can change. But when I am comparing myself with another, the change will invariably, invariably be superficial. Please do listen to all this. It's your life. 
Whereas if I have no comparison, what is, is. From there I move. And this is one of the fundamental principles of life, that modern life has conditioned man to compare, to compete, to struggle, endlessly caught in battle with himself, with another. So, I can only look at what is when there is no comparison. So, I understand that, not verbally but actually. I'm, comparison is the most childish, immature thing. So, when there is love, do you compare? When you love somebody with your heart, with your mind, with your body, with your entire being, love, not possess, not dominate, not say it's mine. When you love somebody, is there any comparison? And when there is no comparison, then you can look at what is. If we understand that, then we can go now to, to find out, to inquire into this whole structure of pleasure. Not only compare what is to future, but also what is, what has been the past. Your, which is, a, which demands tremendous attention. You understand? I've had a pleasure yesterday, sensuous, an idea which has, which has brought an Ordinary light, a cloud which I saw with full of light yesterday. Now I don't see it at all, and I want that back. So I've compared the present to what has been, and I'm going to compare. The present was what should be. It is extraordinarily, it requires extraordinary intelligence and sensitivity to be free of this comparative evaluation. And that one must have completely. Then only one can look. Then only one can really understand. Then you see, 
You have passion. Then you have energy to pursue what is. But you lose that energy when you are comparing with what has been and with what should be. The fourth extract is from the second talk in Rajgat, 1974, titled What Happens When There Is No Comparison? Is it possible never to compare yourself with another, <coughs> which is measurable? Compare not only physiologically, but much more psychologically. We are talking psychological, inward comparison. That. The comparison is, you know, I don't know. You are the guru or the saviour or the master or somebody high up on the ladder. And I am just on the lowest ladder. And I must have the com- you as an example. So I want to compare myself to see that I'm progressing. Right? That is comparison. I am not. I am greedy, and I compare myself to an idea of non-greed. And having established an ideal, a pattern of behaviour or a pattern of conduct, I compare myself all the time. And that's called growth, progress, evolution and all the rest of it. That word progress is rather interesting. I was told the other day, the word originally meant to enter the enemy's country fully armed. You understand? You don't smile at it, do you? <laughs> so, can one live that way? not only intellectually, but in relationship. Because life is relationship. (coughs) Without relationship there is no life. You may live in isolation, but you are are related. You may be raw, but you are still related to (coughs) to man. You are part of man part of humanity. Can one, in daily life, in all kinds of relationships, live a life in which there is no comparison? Then the problem arises. What happens when I don't compare? 
I have compared myself with you, who are very clever, bright, intelligent, nice-looking, have a tremendous reputation, blah, and I compare myself with you. And therefore I say to myself, I'm rather dull. I'm rather stupid compared to that chap. This is how we are educated in schools. And what happens when there is no comparison? Do I become a vegetable? Do I stagnate? Or something totally different thing takes place? You try it now, please, as I'm talking. Try this. You are used to compare. That's a part of your tradition. Best or least. Which is measurement. Which is thought. And as you are listening now, try to find out what happens if you don't compare. Don't you then realize that you have carried all along a tremendous burden? And when you don't compare, you're free of that burden. Therefore, you can look at yourself without comparison. I don't know if you're following all this. It's really ah, oh, So what you are, not what you should be or what you have been or what you will become, but actually what you are, which means when there is no comparison, you don't know what you are. You understand? You right? Good. You don't know what you are. Therefore, from there you can start. I don't know what I am, but I'm going to find out. And therefore, from that arises this question. Whether you can live in daily life, please listen, daily life, without any control, without any comparison, which doesn't mean that you do what you like. Of course, that you are doing that anyhow. But actually, To live without a single direction, which is to control. Right? This demands 
a a skill in action which is an art to be learned and in the very learning the very learning of it is its own discipline you don't bring a discipline upon it but in the very observation of how to live without control itself brings its own order you want do it you will see how extraordinarily simple it is putting it in words makes it complicated but it's it's really very very simple see i don't know what i am i know what people have told me what i am i'm an atman i'm a freudian or all the rest of the thing but i see that i live in a, a life of comparison and when i don't compare i am at a loss for the first time in my life i am altogether lost right answer unclear confused and i must be lost otherwise i can't fight the fifth extract is from krishnamurti's third talk in ohai 1982 titled where there is comparison there must be fear so what is fear what are the contributory factors that bring about fear like many small streams rivulets that make the tremendous volume of of a river so what are the small streams that bring about fear that have such tremendous vitality of fear is one of the causes of fear comparison comparing my oneself with somebody else psychologically obviously it is so can one live a life without comparing yourself with nobody you understand what i'm 
when you compare yourself with another, ideologically, psychologically, or even physically, in there is the striving to become that, and there is the fear that you may not. Is the desire to fulfil, and you may not be able to fulfil. You understand? Where there is comparison, there must be fear. And so, when inquirers ask, is it possible to live without a single comparison? Never compare. Whether you are beautiful or ugly, fair or not fair, physically, psychologically, approximating yourself to some ideal, to some pattern of values, there is this constant comparison going on. We are asking, is that one of the causes of fear? Obviously. And where there is comparison, there must be conformity. There must be imitation inwardly. So we are asking, is comparison Conformity, imitation, are they contributory causes of fear? And when can one live without comparing, imitating, conforming, psychologically? Obviously, one can. If you, if those are the contributory factors of fear, and you are concerned with the ending of fear, then inwardly there is no comparison, which means there is no becoming. Comparison entails the very meaning of the comparison is to become that which you think is better or higher, nobler, and so on. So, comparison, imitation, conformity which is becoming, is that one of the factors or the factors of fear? We are not saying it is, but you have to discover it for yourself. Then 
if that is, those are the factors, then if the mind is seeing those factors as bringing about fear, the very perception of those ends the contributory causes. Where there is a cause, there is an end. I hope you understand this. If there is physically a cause which gives you tummy ache, that there is an ending of that tummy ache by discovering what was the cause of the pain. Similarly, where there is a cause, there is an ending of that cause. And is time a factor of fear? That is time as of the things or incidents or happenings that have taken place in the past or that might happen in the future. And the present. Time is a movement from here, physically from here, to that place. From one point to another point, a movement from one point to another point is requires time. To learn a language requires time. To learn any form of technique requires time. But when we think about the future, what might happen, I have a job, I might lose it. My wife might run away, leave me. Future. So is time, we are talking of not physical time, sunrise, sunset, movement of the watch, clock, chronological time, but we are talking about psychological time. I am, I shall be. And I might not be. So, is time a factor of fear? Just a bit. If it is not how to stop time, you can't stop time. But to observe it first, we'll go into it. But first, observe the fact that one of the factors of fear is time. That is, I am afraid of death. That is in the future. So, is time a factor of fear? Obviously. 
it is. Then is thought a factor of fear? You understand all this? We said there are various contributory causes of fear. Comparison, imitation, identification, and this act of becoming to something else. I am this, I must be that, and I may not be that, ever. And is time a factor in the movement of fear? Obviously it is. There is a distance between now the living and and the dying, a distance from this point to that point. To move from this point to that point is fear, right? Time is fear. So next we are asking, is thought fear? It's very important to find out. Is thought the The root of fear. Time is the root of fear, obviously, as comparison and so on. And is thought also the root of fear? So is not time and thought, are they not together? The final extract in this episode is from the first question and answer meeting in Sanan, 1985, titled Why do Gurus compare themselves to Krishnamurti? Various teachers, gurus, say that essentially they are giving the same teaching as you. How do you respond to the question? to that statement, right? I wonder why they compare themselves with the speaker. I wonder when questions why they should even consider that what the speaker is saying is what we are also saying. Why do they say these things? I know this is a fact. Both in India, Europe and in America, the various trumped up gurus, various groups say yes. We are t- we are also going to the same thing along the same river as you are doing. This has been stated to me 
to the speaker personally and we've discussed this matter with these gurus, with these local or foreign uh, what do you call them? Leaders? We've gone to this question. First of all, why do they compare what they are saying to, with K? Why do they maintain that? You understand? What is the intention behind it? Is it to ride the same bandwagon? You understand? Is it because they think they may not be quite quite, but by comparing themselves with K, they might become quite quite. So, in talking over with them, with some of them, we went into it. First of all, I doubt what they are saying, and I doubt my, the speaker's own experiences. There's a doubt. Disbelief. Not saying, yes, quite right, you are, we are doing the same, we are in the same boat. So if we could approach this question with doubt, with a certain sense of skepticism on both sides, those who say we are along the same, rowing the same boat in, on the same river, perhaps you are, you are, they are far ahead, the speaker is far behind, but it's still the same river. So in speaking with them, as a, the doubt, question, demand, and as you push further and further and further, deeper and deeper, they come to an end. And at the end of it, I've heard the speaker has many, has heard many of them, uh, you, what you say is perfect, is the truth your embodied truth and all that business. So they say, etc. And they, they salute and go away saying, we have to deal with ordinary people, so this is only for the elite. I said, double nonsense. You understand? So, why do we at all compare, not only between various, my guru is better than your guru, right? Why can't we look at things as they are? Questioning, doubting, asking, demanding, exploring, right? Never saying our side is better than your side, 
oh, this side is better than that side, or that we're all doing the same thing. The other day I heard, saying, what, you're speaking, so am I speaking. What's the difference? I said, none at all. We use the same language, English or French, a little bit of Italian. We use the same language, but the content, the depth that lies behind the world may be quite different. We are so easily satisfied with explanations, with descriptions, with sense of, you know, all the eclat, all the glory, all the paraphernalia. And we're impressed by all that. Our brains don't work very simply. That's one of my questions I would like to ask you. Have you ever, have you watched, uh, seeing how your brain works? What, as an outsider, watching your brain in action, you understand? Have you ever done it? Or the brain is carrying on in this old habits, beliefs, dogmas, rituals, or business, and so on, just mechanically carrying on. If I may ask, is your brain like that? Silence. Have you ever watched one thought, thought, chasing another thought? Series of associations, series of memories, holding on to your own experience. The other day, in America, a person whom we have known for some time said that that person lived according to his experience. His experience has told him. Right? His experience was real, actual, very deep. And that experience is all important to him. And we said, why don't you doubt what your experience may actually It may be actual, it may be imaginary, it may be romantic, all the sentimentality and all the rest of it. Why don't you doubt that very thing that you say, my experience tells me, inwardly? And I haven't when has not seen that person again. You understand? 
So, is it not necessary to be aware of all these things? Why they compare? Why they say we're all in the same boat? We may be in the same boat. Probably we are, all of us. But why assume we are in the same boat with you? You understand? Is it the desire to Oh, I don't know. You know all about it, don't you? So can we not accept any guru, any leader, including especially the speaker, never accept anything psychologically except that we have watched ourselves in our relationship we watched our speak, the voice, the tone of the voice, the words we use, all that. Can one be all day or some time of the day be aware of all that? And then perhaps you don't need any guru, any leader, any book, including that of the speaker. Then you are, there is something totally different takes place when one is really attentive 